intimate group of people. Later in our Lord's life, there will be officious Roman bureaucrats, hordes of soldiers, and clamoring mobs. Right now, everything is small and quiet. Think of how we got to this day. Remember the Virgin in the silence of her chamber. Suddenly, it was that there was the presence of the divine messenger. Suffice it to say that she became aware that God was speaking to her. And Mary put herself completely at the disposal of God. She conformed her will to his will. She was afraid, the Gospels tell us, but not doubtful or uncertain. Immediately she replied, He had done to me according to your word. And in that very moment, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the room of a Palestinian house, an unknown girl became the mother of God and the spouse of the Holy Spirit. Immediately, without thinking of herself, the Virgin went in haste to visit her cousin Elizabeth, two old and bare children, and yet the child nonetheless. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child John the Baptist, six months in her womb, wept for joy, worshiping the Christ child. And Mary praised God, saying, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And finally, as we're all aware, in the lowliest and most humble circumstances, Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, the breath of the oxen rising in the cold to the heavens like incense, adored by angelic hosts, and twelve days later by the wise men from the east. All of these things have come to pass to bring us to the point of today. And if you stand behind the column in the ancient temple of Jerusalem, you will see the scene unfold before your eyes. There's no grand procession such as we have had this morning, no gathered crowd, there's simply Joseph, Mother Mary, and in her arms the tender infant who is at the same time Almighty God. And coming to meet them is the prophetess Anna and Simeon, two holy people in the twilight of their life. For many years we read, they have waited for the Messiah's coming. And now, the Lord whom they seek has suddenly come to his temple, and taking the child into his arms, Simeon's deepest longings have been filled, just as in Christ the whole old covenant is fulfilled. Simeon could see that this child was destined for the rising and falling of the nations. Simeon knew that all the powerful people of his day, Herod and Pilate, and Caesar would end up in the ash heap of history, and that nobodies, harlots, tax collectors, fishermen would rise 
to be this new movement called Christianity, which would outlast and will outlast every nation and empire. And having seen the Lord's Christ, Simeon can now die gladly. Tears stream down his face as he sings, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people, Israel. This child, Simeon says, is light to both Jew and Gentile alike. He is the light that will spread to every corner of the globe, every society, every community, every person, and he will work miraculous change. To be a light, to lighten the Gentiles. And I want to say three things about this one. Number one, when the light of Christ comes to a society, powerful things will happen. Think back to Y2K. Remember that? <laughs> People were going out of their minds. My car is not going to start with no electricity will be thrown back into the dark. Do you remember that? Well, some people observe Y2K with fright and panic. The Church of Austria did something quite wonderful to celebrate the millennium. A Roman Catholic country, they sent a dignitary by plane to Jerusalem and then by car to Bethlehem to the Church of the Nativity built over the cave where Jesus was born. The dignitary went beneath the Church of the Nativity to the grotto and took some flame from a lamp that hung there. He brought the flame by car to Jerusalem, by plane to Austria, to Vienna. And on Christmas Eve night, through the hours of Christmas morning, he took the flame on a whistle stop tour of Austria. And at each stop, people of that place would leave their homes and stand at the tracks and light candles for the flame that came from the garage of the Nativity and take it to their own homes. And on Christmas Day 2000, all of Austria was quite literally aflame with the light from Bethlehem. And the Gospel has done the same thing. It has gone from Bethlehem to Jerusalem and to the uttermost parts of the earth, and even here it comes. Wherever it goes, wherever it is applied, wherever it is lived out, it changes people. And it changes a society. You know what the gospel does in a culture? It introduces concepts that are not normally there. Concepts like respect for life, equal dignity for men and women, concepts like personhood, that people are not economic units, that people are not meant to be bought and sold. It introduces liberty and justice. And the call today reminds us that Jesus was presented in the temple in the substance of our flesh. God in Christ 
dignified the human race by becoming one of us. He dignified our birth by being born. He dignified our skin by wearing it. He dignified our life by living it. He dignified our death by dying it. He dignified the whole of our life from conception to natural death because he was like us in all things, as St. Paul, all things but sin. And history teaches us, and we know this to be true, history teaches us that whenever the light of the gospel is burning in a culture, in a society, these truths are self-evident. The late pontiff, John Paul II, well reminded us that when the culture of death is falling upon a society, the ends of the spectrum, the very young, and the very old begin to be ignored, forgotten, disposed of, or considered an inconvenience. And when the light of the gospel finds a home in a culture, that culture changes. This has been true throughout history and city and do this. To be alive Oh. Um. 
pastors all understand. I have been with people that are minutes away from death, who are hopeful as they slip from this world because they know that the light of Christ burns in their lives. City and Newtons, Lord, you now have let your servant be part in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. City and you, the ultimate power of God to enlighten a nation, to enlighten a community, to enlighten an individual life. Now, when you open up the newspaper on the weekend, about 50 advertising flyers fly up, fly up. And they're all full of incentives to get you into the store. Everything in the store is 50% off. But if you buy today, it's an additional 10% off. And if you use your village charge, we'll give you even more off. Incentive. There is only one incentive for being a Christian, and that is because you know the truth, you embrace the truth, and the truth will set you free. And we know that the truth is a person. The truth is Jesus. He is the promise of God. He is the purpose of God. He is the power of God. That 